Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And welcome to Invested Podcast. We're here to talk about money and investing. Mindfulness. Mindfulness and, around our money. Yeah, and getting and involved. how to be invested in your money and your life. Yep, we're, we're making the basic case here that by giving over the power over your money, the control over your money, the decision making over your money, you are being a hypocrite because you're letting somebody else vote your money for their values, not your values. You well, are hypocrite's a little extreme. I think what you're saying <laughs> is that you're abdicating responsibility. I mean, you could find somebody else who supposedly votes for your values with the money, right? Well, come on, if, if you have a mutual fund or an index fund, which all of you have, then you own Coca-Cola. And I bet a big percentage of you think drinking Cokes is a bad idea and you wouldn't teach it to your kids, which means <laughs> you own the company you're telling your kids not to use the products of. That's, That's being COVID a hypocrite. Special occasions. There's right. no, it's, right. it's right. a value system. Okay, well, I'm... I'm fine. It's like an addict who has to come back for a quick, you know, shot every once in a while. I have I have been working on breaking this Coca-Cola habit for 40 years. It's brutal. My, my your grandmother, my mother <clears throat> worked in a Dairy Queen <clears throat> and she unbelievably would just bring home Cokes and Dilly bars by the ton. So I grew oh, up oh, on. Yeah. The dilly bar thing, which is apparently a like ice cream on a stick that's dipped like a like the Haagen Dazs bars now. Yeah, right? and when when they would make a mistake on one, it would be un misshapen, and they would throw that in the freezer, and mom would bring it home. <laughs> so, I grew up with some really bad habits, really bad habits. Sounds good thing amazing. I, good thing I was Coke. a hyperactive kid, huh? Coke and ice cream. That sounds yeah. like, oh, like a Coke float. That sounds so good. So the point is. <laughs> For people who, you know, like us, want to be invested in, in what they do in their daily lives and where our money goes. I mean, this is something I think about a lot in the grocery store. This is pretty much how you convinced me of this. Because I'm very careful about what I buy grocery-wise because I'm trying to be healthy and I want to be very careful about what goes into my body. I want to support Farmers that use good, sustainable growing practices that don't use harmful chemicals. I want to support, are they called farmers? People who like raise animals. Those are farmers also, right? Yes. So people, are, who, hmm. people who raise cows, chickens, pigs, whatever. I want to support the ones who do it humanely and have space for them and don't torture them. And most importantly to me, don't use antibiotics because I don't want to become antibiotic resistant. So those are my food practices. And I feel like, with putting my money in other places, I should be making the same kinds of decisions, you know, like, what do I want to support? And what do I specifically not want to support by putting my money in certain places? Yep. I mean, I've been saying, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm no, you're doing great here because I feel like I've been working on this now about a year and I started out going, how the hell am I ever going to get interested in this stiltifyingly boring, just absolutely torturous subject and now <laughs> <laughs> tell me how you really feel about investing <laughs> it's the worst that's how i feel but now i like that's my way into it is okay i have to do something with my money i'm convinced of that at least let me do something that is either not bad or good 
and preferably good, but definitely not bad, right? Yeah, you're becoming, I mean, I don't mean this in any kind of, you know, superior way because I'm way worse than you, but we, as we start to pay attention and be invested, clever use of our but that's exactly that's exactly right, though. As you become invested in what you're doing, yeah, I, I start to have a stake in the game, right? I start to realize, wow, my vote with my money and what I'm investing in is just as important as my vote for the president of the United States or the senator or the congressman. I'm casting a ballot. I'm invested in the system. I'm in, I'm involved. You know, and, that's actually a really good analogy because a lot of people don't vote for president or for anything else, because it feels like your one vote is so tiny, it's not going to matter anyway. And, you know, presidents win by millions of votes, unless, of course, you live in Florida and it's the year 2000. So, <laughs> I mean, clearly votes unless, do of course, uh, unless, unless that. <laughs> right. Unless they unless it does. Yeah. And and the thing is, they all do. I mean, this is an obvious thing to say. They all do because every single vote that's cast adds up with all the other ones. And that's how the presidency gets decided. I mean, it's super obvious. Everybody should go vote. The reason people don't is they don't feel like it matters at all, even though it does. And it's the exact same thing here with our like, I mean, speaking for myself, my little tiny amount of money that I would have to put into any company in the public stock market. It feels like it's... It doesn't matter. I mean, and you know what? I'm probably right. It, it probably doesn't really matter, except maybe it will. At some <laughs> Ask and, any retailer, ask any grocery store if your dollars matter. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it matters to me. Like, it's that same, like, grocery store buying thing. It's like, it matters to me. And it matters to me who I vote for for president. And I don't have to tell anybody else about it. And I don't have to make it public. And I don't have to defend it. It matters to me. And my choice is my choice alone. And I think that that's uh, an invested way of living. Well, it is. And it's important that we do that. Uh, because with money, I want you to recognize, everybody, that you're going to vote it one way or another. Now, that's true. It's not yes. the case with the vote for a for a politician. You right. don't vote. Fine. Okay, you don't vote. But you are going to cast a ballot with your money, or you're going to give it to somebody else to do it with. Yeah, that's a good distinction. And right now, you guys who are investing in indexes and mutual funds, I I applaud the general notion that you want to be hands off and you want and and so where are you going to go with you know applauds the wrong word. Um, I understand. <laughs> what you're doing. You don't, you know, it's difficult to get up to speed and make your own decisions with investing. And you don't want to make mistakes and lose your money. And the whole idea is to have something left when you retire that you can retire on. So I get it. Um, but what I'm saying is that when you do it the way they tell you to do it, which is broadly diversified, very, uh, mutual funds or indexes, that you are handing over the voting power of your money to somebody else. And for very many of you, for a lot of you, that might not matter. You not really care one way or another. You know, you, you're, and this isn't a shot at you in, personally, but let's just say that, you know, to try to save money, you go down to Walmart all the time and you buy stuff at Walmart. Well, Walmart, as we've talked about here on this podcast, is a company that has one real strong value, and that is to drive price down. Okay, everybody's got that. That's their whole moat. But to do so, we sometimes don't realize what that does to the world. It means they don't pay their people who work there. It means they hope that their people will get on some sort of social welfare program for health insurance or for, for retirement. 
they don't pay their vendors enough. And as a result, their American vendors can't pay people a decent wage. And so Walmart moves to a Chinese vendor or a Vietnam vendor. And then and those people aren't being paid well. They're being paid better than they would be on the farm, maybe, but not well. And as a result, Americans lose their job. And this is what Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are running around the country shouting about from the podium right now in this whole presidential primary race is about the problems of just arbitrarily determining that it's okay to use this single value of lower cost um, as, as a way of voting for what's going to happen in the world. And you know what? We have neighbors and we have communities and they're destroyed over the last 30 years by Walmart and Costco and these big box stores. And I think there's a, there's a tide turning here. And one part of that might be our podcast. One little stick <laughs> they were holding in the air to hold up the mountain is our little podcast where we're saying, we're not telling you what your value should be. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying- That's what I was about to say, is I actually, I agree with everything you just said about Walmart, except that you're discounting the one value that they do stand for and that they've been incredibly successful with, which is- low prices. Yep. And low prices allow people who make minimum wage or less to buy food for their families. Yep. Low prices are incredibly important to a lot of people. And I actually, I, I, I know that like for me, I choose expensive food. I do. I spend money on food rather than on other stuff. And for somebody else, it might be, there's no choice there. You, you have the money to buy food at Walmart and you don't have the money to buy food somewhere else that's twice as much. But I think both Bernie and Trump and Donald Trump are making the argument that the reason you don't have money to buy, to buy quality food, the reason you're supporting sort of heinous farming practices that the farmers can't get out of, right? They can't, they can't escape the cycle of horrific practices with animals because yeah, I mean, they farmers don't wake living. up in the morning and say, I'm excited to torture a bunch of pigs today. Like, no. That's, no that's way. Not, that's no not way. how any of them want to spend their time. It's right. how they have to in order to make it. But they're trapped in that cycle of lowering and lowering prices. And, and you know, it works against the vast majority of people. We haven't, middle class and lower class haven't had a raise in, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years and all of these government practices where they're throwing money into the banks, they're paying off Wall Street <clears throat> in order to, quote, keep the system from freezing up, have resulted in rich people having a tremendous access to capital and everybody else not so much because all of these companies keep driving down price. And driving down price means to squeeze people for <clears throat> their income. And I got to tell you, it's one of the most disgusting things going on on the planet that CEOs are getting raises at exactly the same time they're squeezing their employees for less and less benefits, less and less pay. Uh, I'll tell you, man, why in the world these guys think they're worth $20 million a year is beyond me. The only reason they think they are is because somebody else is getting it and they tell their boards, if that guy's getting it, I'm better than he is, you know, pay me. That's so, exactly why. That's yeah. 100% the reason. 100% the that, reason. Is that somebody else will do that job. Yep. They can go somewhere else and get paid more. Yep. If they, if they aren't paid that much at their current company, I mean, it's just it's a market economy for yeah, them. Yeah, blows my mind. One CEO literally, literally, not literally, but figuratively, took out one point five billion dollars out of his company's equity, which is owned by the shareholders, put it down on the driveway, poured gasoline on it, lit it on fire. It's just <laughs> gone. 
Yes, I would say that's figurative. That's figurative. <laughs> and it's but it's gone just as much as that from a mistake that he made and he got a 6 million dollar raise um as a uh, how does that happen? How do you get a 6 million dollar raise? Um and by the way, the stock price went from like, you know, down by 40%. So it's how, it's when you start it's, it's like as when you don't know about it, it doesn't really matter, but when you start to read about it, and I've been reading about it a little bit lately, it's unbelievably infuriating. It is so maddening. I mean, I just read a story about an oil company and I can't remember which one where the Don't say scene, it. Don't say it. They'll sue us. No, I actually I really can't remember which one. Okay. It was okay. one I hadn't heard of. Right. Um and the CEO got a bonus of I think like 15 million dollars that year while they laid off 30% of their workforce. I couldn't believe it. How can you do that? And you know what? Here's here's how you do that. Here's how you do that. He, from his perspective, had to make a tough management decision and had to cut costs. And that was the best way to cut costs. And because he made that tough decision and he did that analysis and he made it so that the company's going to get better in a couple of years, he did the best job anybody could do and he deserves a bonus. Yep. That's the argument. Yep. And it's who does he make that argument there. too? Like, I don't, I don't want to pretend like these things happen and everyone is sitting around being like, what the hell? No, people do this for a reason. And that's the reason. Yeah. But who do they make the argument to? So the CEO is making the argument that he deserves yeah, they, a raise. Who's he making it to? The CEO makes the argument to the board. And who's and the, the board? board? And the board is a whole bunch of very rich shareholders or advisors. And, and who picks the board? Well... <laughs> that is where we get into interesting corporate law. The shareholders pick the board. Do we now? Yes. It's a little more complicated. That is the actual literal truth. Of course, it gets a little more complicated. Than well, that. Can, I, can I suggest that, that the shareholders' choice of the board members that they get to pick from are entirely put up by the CEO? That's, that's one wrinkle in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a and, wrinkle. I'll, I'll add, right. No, that's my point is that like technically under the law, the shareholders pick the board, but the shareholders don't really pick the board in a big public company. That's like <laughs> the great secret of, of board picking. It's also usually that uh, there are a couple of very large shareholders and they hold the influence and the votes. So they really choose who ends up on the board. If there were a couple of large shareholders. Now, it turns out that if you're a large shareholder in a public in a big public company, you know, you might own one percent of the stock. It, you know, in other words, large means a lot you know, of public companies that have. Well, that's big true. Chunk shareholder ownership. I know. And you can and you can take a look at who owns most of these companies a little bit. Um, if Well, actually, it's really hard to see who owns most of these companies, tell you the truth. But I'm going to just say and I'd like to stipulate, if possible, that these that that the board that the voting for the board by the shareholders is a rigged game and everyone knows it's a rigged game the Absolutely. ceo is going to put up a list of share a list of board members that he has carefully hand selected to be buddies of his to do the right thing for him and let him run the company the way he wants to run it and pay him what he wants to get paid those are the two things that guy wants out of the board oh yeah and one more thing the appearance of independence that would be good, but not real independence, just the appearance so we can't get sued. Right. The appearance of independence. I mean, I will say a, a lot of board members do try hard on that one, but that doesn't mean that they're 
opinions don't align with that of the management and, team. And who and these board members happen to be what got you know people that have a really good resume, great curriculum vitae, um, and they look really good on paper, and are going to put some time into doing their job, which is to you know make sure that the CEO is not being an idiot. And they're going to get paid a quarter million dollars a year in free rides in the Gulfstream Five anywhere they want to go. That's what they get out of it. Quarter million a year, guys. That's $20,000 a month for showing up four times a year for an hour. Okay, maybe it's a little longer than that. Often it's people who they just want to, they're influential in the industry or they have some, they bring some sort of outside advice to the company and they just want to have, the company wants to have their name on the board. They're not even expecting these people to do much. Exactly. It's just, it's a stamp kind of thing. Exactly. Like, I think, isn't Al Gore on the board of Apple? <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure he is. And I remember reading that and going, wait a second, Al Gore spends a lot of time learning about technology companies and oh, yeah. focusing on the future of Apple. Then I was like, no, he definitely doesn't do any of that. He shows up to the meetings. And everyone's very happy that they can say that Al Gore is on the board and, and, and he gets paid and everyone's happy. Yeah. And all the board members get to meet Al Gore and it's all like, I'm on the board with Al Gore. Cool. Hey, who are you on well, the board with? Well, yeah. I think probably, probably the other people on the Apple board are. So I want to ask you guys, who are you on the board with? Huh? Who are you, our listeners on the board with? And the answer is you're not on the board with anybody. You ain't on nobody's board. Nobody's paying you $20,000 a month to sit there, twiddle your thumbs provide your curriculum resume, and then, you know, vote whatever the CEO wants to vote, particularly when it comes to his salary. So here's how the salary thing works. You just whisper the number you want as the CEO to your head of your compensation committee. They go out and hire a consulting company whose job it is is to come back and deliver the number that the CEO whispered to the head of the compensation committee. And that's not hard to do. You just go out and look at companies that are in the ballpark of the same size as yours, find out the ones that got the CEOs getting paid more than your CEO wants. You come back in with a bigger number, reduce it to the one that CEO wants, and everybody's happy. And that's how the game gets played. And it is absolute crap. And you know whose fault it is, Danielle? It's your fault. Not possible. Yep. Well, okay. It's not your fault. Because you don't have any money in in, in mutual funds and indexes, I don't think, anymore. (laughs) I do not, and I never have. Is that that my one claim to fame? Yes. Then it's not your fault. In mutual funds, because I'm too lazy. All right. I'm going to tell you whose fault it is. It's our listeners' fault. It's your fault. People, wake up. You guys are not voting your money. And because you're not voting your money, you're giving it to bastards who don't care anything about the moral quantity of what they're doing because they don't get paid for morals. They get paid. You leave your money with them because they made it go up, which means your value set that you think it's really crappy that people are getting 20 million while other employees are getting laid off really crappy that you know coke is feeding kids sugar really crappy that altria is telling kids to smoke really crappy that you know people are using close to slave labor to deliver clothing at target or something i don't know if that's true don't sue me target so you're it, but the point is it's your fault you're not invested in this process at all and you're handing over those values to somebody else and when you do they vote those things the way the old world worked while we're complaining that it shouldn't work that way. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if the if the California Teachers Association pension fund 
which is the one of the largest investors in the world, if not the largest, if they pulled if they pulled out of all the mutual funds and indexes that they are in, oh my gosh, there would be a huge ripple. If they pulled out of those stocks that they didn't think were moral, there'd be a huge ripple out there, you guys. So massive. Yeah. Massive. I think that's massive. the single largest pension investor. It's called CalPERS. CalPERS. I think they have $190 billion in the market or something. And it's all the public employees from California. Yeah, it's huge school teachers. Huge. And your guys are out there going, oh, yeah, this is bad about the world. Well, and it's that's teacher, bad about teachers the world. and everybody else, too. Yeah, for sure. And, and meanwhile, you know, you've handed your money over and all that voting power is going to things that you don't like. And that's nuts. So if you think about it, there's a there, we need a democratization of money the way we need a Magna Carta of money. We need to take the money out of the hands of the nobles and the king and get it into the hands of the people. Uh, and, and right now, the people are so stupid and uneducated about investing that they are voluntarily handing all of the power back to the nobles. Well, right? of course we are. Of course we are. It makes complete sense. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. We don't know and what to do. There's two levels to this. You know, there's, I think what you're saying is right. There's two levels. One is what I was saying about buying the groceries, like your own personal feelings and sense of morality as you make your choices with your money, which you have to make. That was an excellent point. You can't not vote with your money. Your money is going to get spent because you need certain things and you, wherever it goes is a vote. So that's your own like scrupulous decisions. And then on the second level is the larger vote uh, in the sense of like voting for president where where you put your money is supporting various kinds of practices and companies. And just like the mutual funds are supporting things you may not want to be supporting. If you vote for your with your money for certain specific things, you, we as a whole could actually make some change here. I mean, I think we, we, we being like small investors control something like 85% of the money that's in the stock market. Yeah. And I, yeah, I it's all think, our money. I think there's 70, that's what I read, $73 trillion, $73 trillion of money that is in publicly traded markets globally. That sounds about right. Dollars. It's about twenty-three trillion in the U.S. Yeah, it's an it's an extraordinary number, and if you know some small percentage of that of us actually start making choices, and I and we are, by the way, we're, this is you know we're not doing the wrong thing. We're we're I'm learning. We're learning. Everybody who's listening to this is learning. We could actually start making some change here. And as it becomes more of a movement, I mean, think of like the organic food movement 40 years ago. It didn't exist. It didn't exist. Right. Now, 40 years later, because of people voting with their money, we have documentaries about terrible farming practices. We have labeling in the grocery stores. We have massive supermarket chains that didn't even know what organic was now having entire organic sections entirely because of money, because otherwise they're going to lose their customers. It's very simple. Right. Companies follow the money. If we took our money and refused to put it into companies that gave CEOs a huge bonus when they do something completely heinous, like laying off 30% of their workforce, 
we would make a difference. I genuinely think this is possible. I do too. There's so much money that we control that this is possible. And it just needs to become more in the zeitgeist. It needs to become more normal. It needs to become more expected the way it is now with organic food. It's expected to have an organic option. It's just expected. And the same thing with your money. Oh, did you put your money with X mutual fund or do you do it yourself? Oh, you put it with the mutual fund? Slight bit of derision there. Oh, Mm-hmm. Oh, you do it yourself? Oh, like, what are you investing in right now? I mean, that could become typical dinner party conversation. You're right. And I think we are getting to the point where there's enough information out there where the way you and I are talking about this can become commonplace. And I'm excited about it. I got a place where people can start. I think you can start with how you spend your money. Start to become, I love your word about this, mindful about how you spend your money. Pay attention not to the surface level of what you're buying, you know, the Jiffy peanut butter or whatever, but what, who makes that and what kind of company is that and what are they doing to their employees? You know, if you buy clothing at, at some company, maybe try to figure out a little deeper. Push this company. Write a letter. Write an email to the customer or to the uh, investor relations department. They have to take all these emails in. You can look them up online on any, any company. Google it. Go to their website, go to Investor Relations and write them an email and <clears throat> and tell them, why are you doing these practices or are you doing these other practices? So again, but let me make this quick point. This podcast isn't about telling you what the values are. I'm sure you're going to have a, a good idea about Danielle's values or my values by listening to us uh, long enough. But we don't want to make you think that, oh, well, there's a value set that's the right value set or the wrong value set. What's what we're driving at is <clears throat> that you have to walk your talk. You have to get John Wayne about this. You can't just say you're about these kinds of things <clears throat> and then not be about those kinds of things, not do those kinds of things. Because otherwise, you're, that's where I mean that a lot of people are hypocrites. I mean, all of us to some degree. But well, right, all <clears throat> of us to some degree. And that's that's what I was trying to say when you were talking about Walmart is that everybody's got to pick for themselves what they think is important. And and just because I think something is important and you think just because I think something A is important and you think something B is important doesn't mean that somebody listening isn't going to say, well, what about C, D, E and F? And oh, by the way, here's G. Yes. We are going to say a lot of stuff (laughs) because we can't help it about how we think about things. But if you think Walmart is awesome and you want nothing more than prices being driven down, then go by Walmart. Like the point is not, we, and, and not Danielle, to do that. You and I, I think would applaud. We're going to applaud you. Absolutely. If you walk your talk. Absolutely. That's the fact. I, I would, I'm so much, I'm so excited about you voting your money like this. And the reason why that's a great place to start is because you're going to do that every day. Anyway, start making more mindful decisions and you'll start to be, you will find yourself thinking about these companies. And when you start to do that, you start down the road of investing. Here's a really good place to start with mindfulness. And it's because it it even sounds a little bit like, oh, what do I have to do? You know, like about making mindful decisions and stuff. Don't worry about your decisions. Don't worry about writing a letter. Like do that stuff if it comes to you. If it doesn't, fine. Just pay attention. Like that's really all you need to do with, with anything in your life, really, in the beginning is just notice consciously what's happening oh, I just picked up this peanut butter to the left instead of this other peanut butter to the right. 
Why did I do that? Oh, well, it's because the label is brighter. Okay, and also it's slightly cheaper than... Uh, okay, so now you know two things. You know you like shiny labels, and you know you like cheaper peanut butter. <laughs> like, that's important to know, because now you might want to go find out what company makes that peanut butter, because somebody at that company is making decisions you like. So that's just kind of the... It's, it's no big deal. It's just about noticing a little bit. I really like that. I really like that. I am going to begin to do that today. I'm going to be a little <laughs> more mindful, meaning just what you said. I'm going to pay a little more attention. Just a little yeah, more. Yeah, and you can do it with everything. Yep. You know? Somebody said to me once, try to notice. Don't, don't do anything about it. Just notice how many decisions you make over the course of one day. Wow. And and it's and it's like it's first of all it's so hard and secondly it's stuff like why did i just get off the couch just then <laughs> literally i don't know why i did that like what led me and then you kind of go back and you're like it made, must have been something totally subtle that made me get up at that moment because i wanted some water and i don't know why i didn't want water 30 seconds ago but it what took these 30 seconds for me to get energized enough to go get the water i mean it's just like you could go down this massive rabbit hole but for 24 hours it's a really interesting thought exercise i was thinking that is a massive rabbit hole <laughs> when you started saying this it is why am but, i walking down the why am i why, why? And pretty soon you have the look why? on your face of somebody that's why? just been taking a little too much of something else then you just go to bed and take a nap and then you wonder why why Oh, yeah, because that was crazy. All right, so don't get stupid about this, everybody, but just start to play with it, and you'll find yourself drifting into our world, which is to become more invested than you are right now. Your so, world. Your world. I'm working on it. With that, I think it's time to go play. You know what? We didn't talk about valuation. I feel like we needed a break, and that, I bet everybody else needed a break, too. It was okay. a lot. It was a lot, you know? So next time I'm going to summarize valuation for you. You can question me about each piece of it, and then we'll talk about we, some more stuff. We'll talk about some more valuation. Yep. Okay. We're going to talk That's about nice zombies, how okay. zombies can get you. We'll talk about that. Until All then, right. Time to go play. See ya. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you got to do to go is enter the special podcast code stockpile, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, stockpile, into the application form and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.